and welcome to the Seattle Coffee Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, and joining me for this episode is Jake. How's it going, Jake? Good, Pat. Good, Pat. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Um, we're recording on a Tuesday, which is a different day than normal, so it's still early in the week. Uh, and I'm uh, it's a busy week, but that's good because it's been a little slower day to day the last couple <laughs> weeks for me. So. Well, good. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been busy on my side as well. Oh yeah. 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 For people are, uh, boring, the boring website stuff, people, when you see this, you'll be able to go check out some of our new coffee pages and, uh, those are very cool. And I know that you've been very involved in troubleshooting everything around, making sure that that stuff <laughs> works yep. correctly. Yep. Absolutely. We just want to make sure everything, you know, it's all squared away, making sure everything works. Super yeah. Well. Yeah. looks pretty. All good to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Um, so this episode of the podcast, we're going to be doing an overview of Rocket Espresso's line of machines. Um, we talk about Rocket a lot uh, on a lot of different kinds of content, um, and it's largely just because we're they're kind of our go-to brand right now for um, when when people want to get into like an Italian espresso machine. It's kind of higher end prosumer. Uh, and we hadn't talked about them much on the podcast yet, so I thought it'd be a good topic to get, go over their stuff. And we're going to do a few more of these kind of things. We'll probably talk about like Breville and, um, and, and maybe like Nova Simonelli and some of the other bigger brands that we carry, uh, to kind of give you just an overview of their machines. Cause sometimes it's fun to hear about the way different machines work without having to go to a bunch of different videos or blog posts. So yeah. Um, before we get into that, is there anything happening around the world of coffee that you've been excited about this week jake yes actually there is um so we've been working for the last couple of months with tony's up in bellingham and we just are now releasing our crew brew blend which is basically yeah it's a collaboration between tony's and uh seattle coffee gear and it's a really great blend for like espresso or a super automatic machine um it tastes really nice and we're excited to get that up and running because um, it's kind of an ode to the teamwork that we have with the roaster as well as like all the collaborative efforts between our, our team here at Seattle Coffee Gear. Yeah, it's been in the works for a little while and um, we'll talk to, hopefully we'll be able to talk to people from uh, some of these roasters that we are working with uh, relatively soon, but we do these collaborative roasts and they're really fun because a lot of places will do like um, they might um, do like a branded roast where it'll say like, oh, this is so and so's coffee. Like I know there's some bands that I li listen to that they do like, you know, this is this band's coffee. And obviously the band this is this band's coffee. And obviously the band itself didn't roast mm -hmm. the coffee. Um, and uh there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with that either, because usually it says somewhere on the bag where it came from. But we usually like to do these collaborative roasts where we still highlight the roaster uh, and and more talk about our partnership with them. Um, and they usually will send us a bunch of different roasts over time, and we'll kind of taste test them and see where we want to go with it. We'll work with them on the notes and stuff, and it's really fun. And the process for this one was really cool. And uh, it let us do some things like, you know, it's got really cool bag art that has some of the uh, commissioned art that we've used internally for swag and stuff. Um, and uh, and it's a good coffee. It's it's really good in a super auto, which was kind of the goal, like you said. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, like medium-ish roast. Um, it's not too much on the darker side of medium, but 
yeah, it tastes great. Um, I've, I've had a couple bags of it already and uh, yeah, I've been really liking it. Yep. And if you're interested in it, the, the notes on it are, uh, grape jam, nougat and teamwork mm-hmm. is what we have listed. But yeah, it's just a very, um, like kind of jammy without being overwhelmingly fruity, uh, and has that kind of like good medium balanced flavor, uh, which we're kind of getting at with the nougat note. Uh, and, uh, it is, it is delicious. And I think it's going to be available for a while, right? Like it should be. Um, we're hoping to have it kind of year round, but we're with like any agricultural product, you know, that can change if the season. And I'm sure changes. that hopefully we'll be able to offer it year round, but the notes on it will change yep. when there's different uh, different coffee and season to to make it with. Yep. Yep. Um, well, that's cool. We all have more content around that coffee coming out soon as well. Uh, we're kind of um, sitting on like. We're going to do like a video about it, I'm sure, and, and I'll have a blog post and stuff soon. So this might be the first thing you hear about it, but there will be more coming soon. Yes. Oops. Sorry about that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about um, Rocket Espresso. Um, the first thing I thought we could talk about, kind of like how we did our Mazar discussion last week, is just talk about in a little more detail the Rocket Espresso Partimento which is sort of their, um, it's Rocket's lowest cost machine. It's still a pricey machine by most users' standards, but um, I thought we could talk about like what it does to justify that and, and whether it's something you should be looking at if you're shopping for an espresso machine yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the Apartamento um, is, is, in the last few years, has definitely become like, a more prevalent machine in the market um, just because we've seen, you know, we've been selling them. A lot of other companies have been selling them and it's, it's kind of this, it's this entry level prosumer machine without like entry level compromise because it has, you know, it's got a full E61 group head. So a nice heated saturated group head. Um, it's got uh, it's a beautiful design because it's a little more compact and the, the side cutouts make it a little more fashionable, I think, than some of the other, uh, E61 machines in the same price range. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a heat exchanger. It's, uh, so it's, you know, you can brew and steam at the same time. You get all the, the nice features of that. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it doesn't have a lot of programmability, but that's kind of nice sometimes when you're just wanting something simple, you switch on, it's hot, it's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, We'll define a few of the terms as we kind of walk work through some of the stuff. So it's definitely it's an affordable machine for having an E61 group head, which is going to be like a group head that has water from the boiler passing through it. Mm-hmm. And so it maintains heat in the port filter. So whereas with some other machines, um, lower cost machines, you have to like heat up the port. You'll usually want to run some water through the port filter to heat it. In the case of something like a rocket espresso machine, you don't have to do that because that's just stays heated while the machine is on throughout the group head and the porta filter. So everything's at the right temperature right away. Is that, would you say that's an accurate description? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause it's, there's basically a little, a little network of pipes that take water from the, mm-hmm. from the boiler and just carry it up and through the group. Um, the E61 design is actually quite traditional. It's been around for yep. a long time. So they're just taking advantage of that. Um, and it also gives you that classic just espresso machine look up front. Totally. And yeah, you're getting that, you're getting like uh, a lot of stainless steel in Mm -hmm. that machine. Um, It's not entirely stainless, but the casing is, uh, for the most part, there's the plastic paneling, of course, but uh, it's got that really 
solid look. And if you like the look of it, um, there, we also have a black sided, like the counter, the, the, the side panels are powder coated in black. And that one's called the Apartamento Nera. So that one is uh, really, really slick. And one thing that I like, and this is kind of where the name comes from, is that it is also a very compact machine mm-hmm. compared to a lot of larger prosumer espresso machines. Um, this can also kind of be a con if you want something with like dual boilers or a really big uh, boiler. The, the Apartamento doesn't have quite the capacity of some more expensive and bigger machines. But I think the compromise between, you know, you can still make a few drinks on it before you it runs out of uh of of uh hot water and uh it's it's a really solid uh machine from in terms of like fitting on a countertop yeah yeah i've actually had one at my house here or my apartment here before and it's um it works nice on an apartment because some of the other machines like we'll talk about those a little bit later but like the larger rocket machines are about four inches larger on each each side and that really Mm -hmm. makes a difference when you're um, you know, just talking about, uh, an espresso machine. Yeah. The other kind of cons, I guess, um, are, it doesn't have a PID controller in it, which can be a turnoff for some people. I've never really had temperature stability issues with the Apartamento before, uh, personally, but, um, it doesn't have quite the same temperature stability as some of the higher end ones. And uh, it doesn't have, like you said, it doesn't have a lot of programmability. It doesn't have a timer built into it or anything. So you're definitely going to be kind of manually doing um, all of the the steps and processes with it. But I, I don't. I think that's also fun and can be a good way to learn too. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I um, heat exchangers overall, like with because it's just running basically off of a pressure stat, which is just mm-hmm. a, a fancy name for a thermostat that turns on and off. You know. Um, you may have to, you know, temperature surfing is something that you could certainly look into if you do have an apartamento or you're looking for it. But overall, the stability, just because it is such a big chunk of metal, you know, it, it keeps that heat pretty stable um, yeah. regardless of any computer control or PID control. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Definitely not. Um, and I think overall, it's a really good option if you want to get into a higher end prosumer machine without necessarily jumping up over the $2,000 mark. Um, I, I think this one is a, is a good one to look into. And uh, if, if you're already in a position where you have another similarly priced machine and you're looking for an upgrade, that might be when it starts to become useful to look at like the Giotto and Mozzie that we'll talk about in a second or even the, the other machines that Rocket offers. But um, if you, uh, the, the Apartamento is a great machine that's gonna last a very long time for you and um, certainly is a really good sort of prosumer upgrade. Or even if you're someone who wants to jump in with both feet and spend a little bit more, I think it can be a good first machine as long as you're willing to put the time in to learn because it is going to take you probably five or six bags of coffee before you can pull really good shots on it um, as long as as long as you're willing to do that. Some people will buy machines like this and then a week later they write into us and say like, it doesn't work. And it's like, well... You've tried to make like three shots on it, yeah, and uh, it takes does take more practice than that. Yeah, I mean, even you know, here at Seattle Coffee Gear, we're basically um, it's just continuing practice on shots. You know, as as long as you've got mm-hmm. a good grinder, um, you know, you're in a pretty good position because with with a machine like this, you definitely need to pair it with a pretty yes. solid grinder. Um, otherwise, you're going to see some of those um, inconsistencies, which isn't necessarily the machine; it's just 
you know, the entire workflow needs to be um, a little more consistent. And with a machine like this, you know, you're, it's still a lot of money, but if, if you're saving a little bit more compared to some of the higher end machines, you know, you can put that chunk of change right into the grinder and that would make a big difference as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so with that kind of deeper overview of the apartamento out of the way, let's talk a little bit about the Giotto and the Mazi. Well, the Mazafiato is the full name. We call it the Mazi all the time, but, um, then we've got the, the, the Giotto and the Mazafiato. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, these are basically rockets, um, kind of mid-end machine, you know, mm -hmm. for the, the home consumer that really wants a machine that's going to last a long time. And it's going to be something that they, um, get a little bit more functionality out of compared to the apartamento while still, um, you know, it's, they're not huge. They're not as big as like an R58, but they, they are larger than the apartamento. That's for sure. Um, and the, and the one difference between the two, cause a lot of people do ask us this question is like, Hey, what's the difference between like a Giotto and a, a Mazi, Mazafiato? And really it's internally, they're identical. It's just kind of the side yep. panel choice, um, that you're wanting, you know, the Giotto has these flared kind of diamond-esque uh, side panels. And if that's what you're looking for, you know, that's, that's the only difference. One has the flat, that's the Mazafiato and the Giotto has those flared side panels. Um, they're a little bit different in like how you repair them or, or open them up because of those side panels, but otherwise the internals are, are identical. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, it's definitely the, the look that is going to make the difference for you between those two machines, because functionally they, they're identical when you use them too really um they these machines do have pid controlled temps mm -hmm. but i there's not a it's not as easy to control them as it is with the higher end uh rocket machines yeah these are more of the i would say they're a little bit more set it and forget it yeah pid controls because you're taking the drip tray off you're doing a little bit of yep. um, programming on the pid behind the drip tray um, so really the PID is there for huge temperature stability increases above yes. like a standard, um, machine without a PID with just a pressure stat, but you don't want to be, it's not something you're going to be changing no, every and single day. Frankly, we'll talk more about this when we talk about the, the, the R58 and the R91, but, um, 95% of users or more than that aren't ever going to need to change the, the brew or steam temps, um, like certainly not the steam temp and the brew temp or like right at 200 degrees is going to be pretty much perfect mm -hmm. for anything you're going to brew on this machine. Um, changing the temperature in an espresso brewer is a very niche hobbyist kind of thing to do. So um, it's not that it's not fun and cool to learn about and experiment with, but on a machine like this, you just really don't need to. Yeah. Um, if you just really want good espresso coming out of it and it does give you that temperature stability with the PID. Um, the other thing on this machine that, that is relatively new from the last few years is they've, uh, added a shot timer built into the front of the machine. So, uh, it's just like a little digital timer that hides above the power switch that is, um, that, that basically blends into the machine when it's not pulling a shot. It's pretty slick. I like the way that these look. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the last couple of years with the timer update, I do believe there was like a eco mode update to these machines yep i um, think that's right too yeah. i think it was it was more in line to fit with kind of the european standards because rocket does sell these machines in europe as well um yep and so there's like a 90 minute uh shut off 
it is toggleable. You can change this on and off, but um, yep. that's nice for some people and some people want it on all day. So it gives you a nice good option for that. Yep. Uh, and um, the other thing with these machines that's interesting is that they'll say, you'll see that say, they say V and R. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how much we've talked. I think we talked about pump type not that long ago on the show, but basically this is just going to be whether you're getting one with a vibratory pump or a rotary pump. Yep. Um, with the vibratory pump being basically like a piston that is pushed in and pushes out with a motor. And that's what pushes the water through from the boiler, through the, the group head into the, the espresso and, um, and into your glass versus a rotary pump, which is a little bit more like a motor, like a traditional motor. If you, if you think of like a propeller, mm-hmm. um, where it's like using a rotor to push the water through. And the big difference between these is that they're both totally fine for home use. Most home espresso machines have a vibratory pump, but a vibratory pump can't necessarily handle the pressure from a plumbed water line. Um, it, it just wears it out too fast. Uh, and it doesn't wear, it's not necessarily going to wear out quickly if you're just using it for its normal use, but with constant pressure pushing against it, then it can be, it can, it can, it can kind of mess it up over time. Whereas the rotary pump, um, is a little more durable and is designed to have that constant pressure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's why rocket, they don't even fit the waterline fitting on their type B machines just cause exactly that. So if you're looking for something, you know, that's you want on your counter, you know exactly where it's going to go. Or even if you're like building your kitchen around an espresso machine, mm-hmm. which is definitely something that people do. Um, and you've got a waterline for it, go for the type R it's, um, functionally, they do act a little bit different when brewing. The vibratory pump ramps up a little bit slower than a rotary pump. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that's a good thing. Uh, but that's nuance at the end of the day. Um, Again, yeah, yeah. But really, if, if you're needing a plumbed machine, go with the Type R. You're going to have to if you want a, a rocket that's going to be plumbed in. Um, and some people listening may say, well, you can get conversion kits to plumb in Type V machines sure. or vibratory pump machines. You can. But again, I think you're better off just going with the rotary version because it's built that for it and the rotary pump is going to last longer. The rotary pumps on these rocket machines are also just smaller versions of what they put in their commercial machines. So it is technically even if it's just a more durable pump yeah. in general as well. So exactly. that's kind of why you see the price difference too. Exactly, exactly. And, and rotary pumps are, are quieter just naturally mm-hmm. than vibratory pumps. They're not silent. Um, they definitely do make noise, but... Um, that's a big thing too, is cause if you've got like cups on top of your machine, um, you know, that vibration from, you know, the vibratory pump is amplified just a little bit. So type R's do tend to be quite, uh, quieter. So if that's super important too, you know, something to consider. Worth noting on all of these machines too. Um, we got a lot of back and forth from people about cup warmers, um, they're on rocket machines. They're technically passive, but there's so much heat that comes off the machine because it's all stainless, the casing, um, that that it will keep your cups nice and hot yeah. if they sit on top of the machine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, you, you, you know, if you had that machine on for an hour, you don't want to put your hand necessarily directly on the front or front top of the machine because it is going to be that yep. warm. Yep, yep. So uh, definitely um, from a cup warmer situation, it's worth having some clearance above the machine to be able to do that because uh because it will work 
Um, so yeah, that's the, the Mazzafiato and the Giotto. Um, and then the other machine that's kind of got a relatively recent refresh is the R58, uh, Cinquantoto. Yeah. Um, which is this, very slick now. Yeah. No, this is now, um, after the, the refresh now that, cause it was R58, um, and now it's the R58. Yeah. Cinquantoto. And this is definitely my favorite machine out of the rocket lineup just because it works so exceptionally well for, for what mm-hmm. it is. It's got dual boilers, meaning that the steam boiler and the coffee boiler are two separate entities. They're not um, one boiler where, like, unlike the heat exchangers, they're not one boiler where there's a tube running through it um, to heat up the water. So you get a lot more steam pressure off of this, I think. Yep. And you also get a little bit better control over the coffee temperature. And if and if you're up in this price range, you know, we were saying that temperatures is definitely a hobbyist, but with a machine like this, um, we do see a lot of hobbyists because this is kind of the, the, the machine where someone who is really, really, really into espresso wants to drink and dial in and get all their espresso needs out. You know, this is the first machine that can really control all yeah. those variables. You, this is the kind of, you know, if you're brewing on like an apartment or a Giotto, you're probably most of the time buying like beans that are being recommended for not espresso roasts. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I mean, do you, if you like that, but you don't necessarily have to drink dark roasted coffee on those machines, but you're going to be kind of getting, taking a shot with different coffees and it's going to be mostly like, Oh, this one didn't really work in the machine. This one did work in the machine kind of thing. When it when you get up into this price range, the question becomes, Oh, the first shot I pulled wasn't perfect. What parameters can I adjust to improve the flavor? Um, and that's where you're getting into, you know, pulling a shot. And then the next shot, you're changing the, the, the PID by a degree and maybe holding the pre-infusion for a little bit longer before you go to the full brew pressure and stuff. And like, that's the stuff that you can get into with the machine like this. And that's where like one of the things that we get a lot of questions about is like, does it have a pressure gauge? Does the machine have a pressure gauge before you're getting to this level? The pressure gauge is not nearly as integral as you think it is. Like it's, it's important to know, what pressure you're brewing at but like most machines you can trust that you can just look at the way that the shot's coming out and you'll know if if something's off but like this is a machine where you're making such minute changes to different parameters potentially that you're actually reading the gauges to see what's happening as it brews um to to like control very minute aspects of the flavor yeah yeah and with it, you do get like a larger machine than the last few machines that we've been talking about. It's quite sizable. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty heavy. I believe it's somewhere in like the 60, 70 pound range. Um, yep. So, you know, if you're needing to carry it up some stairs, well, good luck. Um, but I've done that and it's not fun. No, no. <laughs> but the, the I think the nicest thing about this refreshed, um, there's a little bit of like aesthetic changes to like the legs and the drip tray and things like that. But the updated PID controller is, is yeah. really nice to use um, compared to the last one. The last one was basically uh, pretty, it was, it felt a little outdated by the time it got refreshed, but I'm glad this one is uh, a lot better and it's a lot easier to use. Yeah, It connects to the side um, and then you can also stow it if you don't want it sticking out on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a little touch screen. It's like a little tablet basically. And um, you can get into different controls and different diagnostic stuff in there. Um, and one thing that's like a nice 
add an additional thing here is that you can actually set it to do a timed turn on wake up in the morning. So you can set it up to turn on, you know, half hour before you get out of bed and then it'll be not that it takes that long to heat up, but like it'll be nice and, and hot and, and sitting at the stable temperature you want it at. You don't have to wait, wait until you're up to turn it on um, and it'll auto shut off as well. So um, it's really, really nice for for those aspects. And then again, yeah, just using the pit is a lot easier than it is on something like the Giotto or the, the Mazzafiato. Yeah, exactly. This is this is kind of Rocket's um, high-end, more consumer-focused home machine for sure. They're, yep, it's it's fantastic. You know, I like all of Rocket's machines, but I do have to say I'm a little biased towards this one just because the workflow is so nice. You get a little bit more and, space than the other machines because it is larger. Yeah, so, and I've got bigger hands, so that does that helps me out. Yeah, it's it's a very um, y- you are getting a lot of machine for the price. And some people might look at $3,000 and go, Oh my God, that's so much money. But if it's an appliance you're using every day, you know, if you compare it to like a really fancy fridge or a really fancy oven or whatever, um, and kind of look at how much you're using it. Um, I think this machine is definitely in the realm of like, yeah, maybe if I had a house one day, I could see owning something like this just so I know I'm getting really high quality, um, espresso uh with like every day and i won't have to worry about um not having the ability to do whatever i want with uh with with espresso yeah exactly it's 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 like a centerpiece you know it's for your Mm -hmm. kitchen as well um just like those other appliances and any of these rocket machines if you take care of them they're gonna last you decades yeah yeah. they, they they last a long time all those components inside um, a lot of them are modular, so you can replace them if, if needed yep. with the technician. Um, but, you know, the case, the boilers, all that, as long as you keep it, you know, put good water in, um, make sure to, to back flush it quite often because that does help with these E61s. Yep. It's going to last a long, long time. Worth noting with any of these E61 machines, you're not going to want to descale them yourself at home. So you're going to have to be prepared for um, probably like an annual trip at least to uh, your your local technician to have them descaled but yeah it's not terrible the cost is not prohibitive to have that done and there is guaranteed if you live anywhere with coffee shops there will be someone who can descale an e61 machine in your in your town uh, or environment yeah Um, exactly and rocket specifically has told us and does mention this that you know home descaling is is kind of a no-no on these machines just because with the heat exchangers you can't get all of the descaling solution out at home. You have to open them up. Um, so it gets really tricky. And with like the dual boilers, same thing. You're basically going to have descaler in your boilers and that's not tasty. If you've ever wanted to taste the sourest espresso shot you've ever had, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So we've talked about kind of the reasonable options (laughs) if you're looking at a rocket. Um, but as an unreasonable person, um, I think my favorite of Rocket's lineup is the next machine we're going to talk about, which is not one that I will probably ever personally own, mostly because it will probably forever be out of my price range. But um, we're talking about the Rocket Espresso R91, yep. which is a fascinating machine because it actually shares a name with their commercial, one of their commercial offerings. Um However, this machine is quite different from the commercial. It's not actually just like a one group 
machine of the commercial machine, uh, which is typically what you would see with like the name of the machine and then a one or two or whatever. Um, it's instead, it's basically like the ultimate home hobbyist espresso machine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, when you take a look at it, um, it looks crazy compared to a lot of other home machines, even in this price range, yeah. it, it looks the, cause the group head is super long. Um, mm-hmm. it's almost goes all the way down to the bottom of like near the feet, just which it, it is reminiscent of the commercial yes. R91 or R9. Yeah. Um, is that it also has that kind of long vertical group head. So, yeah. And that's just because it's a, it's a super high temp stability group. That's they've built it with temperature stability in mind. E61s mm-hmm. are great and they're super great for home use. Cause you get more cup clearance and things like that. But this group head is, is basically computer controlled to, hold temperature down to you know the degree right in the group yeah and it's a saturated group so it has water around it at the boiler temp at all times Mm -hmm. basically yeah and and this machine um, i've had the the pleasure of using it a couple times and uh, the big thing that you're getting on this machine because of the tire price range is pressure profiling and that's Mm -hmm. um, that is very much like an espresso nerd's dream i guess you could say yeah you, the comparable machine to this is um, the Lomarzoko uh, GS3. Mm-hmm. Also has really cool pressure profiling. The difference, if you're not familiar with pressure profiling, essentially it is you can use these machines to recreate the pressure ramp of any other espresso machine that exists. Like commercial, home, if you want to, if you find the pressure ramp of a machine from like 19, the 1920s, you can recreate that profile using machines like the GS3 and the R91, which is what makes it such a high-level hobbyist machine because when you buy one of these machines, you're basically buying every espresso machine ever made. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. And that lets you pull out you know, nuances that you never thought were possible. Mm-hmm. If you're tasting those, that's... Um, you know, that's important. I know. I do know people like you were saying that you know they want the old school espresso, so they get a yeah. machine from like the '40s, like a big old Victoria Arduino or something like that, and then they just match that pressure on their profile. Um, you know, maybe it's super low pressure for the first 15 seconds, and then all of a sudden the pump kicks in super hard, and you can do that. And it's it's yep. fun to play around with. You could be playing around with this machine all day and not get tired of yep. it. Yep. And and that's my interest in it primarily is the idea of like, well, I want to try like I don't typically drink a lot of European espresso like Lavazza or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but like if I wanted to try what like I want to try what a Lavazza Grand Crema would taste like in a machine from the 60s and pretend that I'm drinking it on uh, the on a air airplane in the 60s or something right in the airport waiting for an airplane in the 60s they did not have those kinds of espresso machines on airplanes um but uh but yeah you can do that with this machine and i think that's very very cool it's also very expensive it's like over twice the cost of an r58 yeah so. it's, it's very expensive you're going to need a lot of help to get it to wherever you're going because i think it's like yeah. 120 pounds it's yes it's a it's a big it's a team lift yeah it's a big machine <laughs> um but it also comes it comes with a two liter brew boiler and like a four yeah. liter steam boiler i mean that's almost a gallon of, of it's steam. impossible to outrun this machine virtually like I, you couldn't pull shots fast enough yeah like your hands couldn't work fast enough to outrun it exactly there's commercial machines with smaller steam boilers yep. in this one and the cool thing about the pressure profiling on this machine 
is that um, with something like the GS3, and I, I haven't used one in a long time, so parts of this I might be getting a little bit wrong, but GS3 is a, has a paddle, right? So you're you're pushing the paddle and kind of moving it over the course of your brew to get it to the right. So like you might start and you open it like a little bit and then, you know, you know, at like eight seconds, you got to open it further mm-hmm. and then you got to put it all the way open at 10 or whatever. Um, and so you can use that to do the pressure profiling. It's very agile. It, it's, it's like one to one with the, uh, with, with the pump and, and with like the, uh, valves so that everything is working as you're pushing the paddle. Um, but it's hard to recreate the exact same profile over and over again mm-hmm. on machine on a machine like that. What sets the R nine one apart is instead of it's it's a similar concept from a usability perspective. It just has a little like ball on the end of a post instead of a paddle, but it's functionally the same. But it also records what you're doing, uh, so you can recall and reprogram it to just do it automatically for you, so that you don't have to physically hold the paddle at just the right place each time you want to brew yep yep you can you can basically record it and then open it wide up and it will recreate the pressure um, yep like it wasn't just fully turned on basically it's a switch at that point for your pressure profile yep and you'll the the only downside is there's like a almost imperceptible amount of lag as you move the paddle but it's like really minimal in my experience um it's it's i mean you, you probably won't even really notice it uh and then yeah you can you can pull those recipes back up so that means that it's you get a very 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 easily recallable wide range of machines so you can you can almost build like a library of different profiles that you want for different coffees yep yeah and the one thing that you know this machine if you if you are thinking of the r91 um you know, make sure you take a few days, if not a week, to really get to know it, because there's a lot that it can do. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people, like we had one in our one of our retail stores for a while, um, and a lot of people get really overwhelmed because it is, it's it's like using a commercial machine with even more features. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's uh, it's a a challenging machine to get to use, but once you know how to use it, it's like. A joy mm-hmm. uh, to to use it, and and it really kind of speaks to the hobby side of espresso brewing. So yeah, absolutely, um, and and can be by the way, this and the Toto can be plumbed in. So don't uh, did, I know I don't think we mentioned that, but they can they can use a reservoir or be plumbed into a water line. They both have rotary pumps, so you're good there too. Yep. This machine also has programmable volumetric dosing, um, which is something that you see on. Uh, some other high-end machines and less high-end machines that's one thing that the the more affordable rockets don't have that some machines in their price range have is they don't do the volumetric uh profiling or uh, uh, programming and that's largely because they're more hands-on with the way that their brew level levers work this machine you can program volumetric dosing in if you want to has the auto on basically has everything you could imagine for any of these kinds of machines yep yep exactly well, that's going to just about do it. Rocket has some cool commercial machines, too, that maybe we'll talk about their commercial lineup, but I'll get one of the commercial team folks to, to walk us through that. That's a little more uh, industry-focused on, on cafes and stuff, but might be interesting to talk about, too, because 
their uh, their their boxer machines and their R9 machines for the commercial side are really cool too. They are um, for sure. But but that will cover us for their home machines. So thank you very much, Jake, for going over these really cool machines with me. Like I said, we'll probably do an episode about you know Lamarzoco and Breville and some of the other different Philips at some point, some of the other different uh, machine manufacturers especially as the holidays are coming up um it's helpful for a little bit of gift inspiration i think too um so uh thank you also for everyone listening for joining us for the, this episode of the seattle coffee gear podcast uh, if you have a question you'd like to hear right on the podcast please drop us a line to questions at seattlecoffeegear.com if you enjoyed this episode make sure to tell a friend and let us know with a review We've got a few reviews on the, uh, at least on the Apple podcast page, which I really appreciate. I read all of them too. So, um, they're good feedback as well for all of your coffee needs. Be sure to check out seattlecoffeegear.com and head over to our blog and YouTube for more educational and informative content about all things coffee. We will see you next episode. <laughs>